Welcome to episode 20 of the Princeton Podcast with Mayor Mark Frieda. In this episode, Mark caught up with Eve Niedergang, Princeton Councilwoman. In addition to discussing Eve's background and her assignments on a variety of council committees, Mark and Eve reviewed the recent Cannabis Task Force debates and decisions. So without any further introduction, let's join our host, Mark Frieda, and his guest, Eve Niedergang, for episode 20 of the Princeton Podcast. Eve, thanks for joining us today on our podcast. It's a pleasure to be here. So let's let's start. I, I think most people are familiar with your name and you from being on count, town council now as long as you have, but why don't you share with us how long you have been on council? Well, I just actually finished my first term and am at the beginning of my second, so uh, two and a half more years for this term. So one of the, uh, well, there's many things the council people do. Um, but one of the things I know that you're very involved in, there's a number of liaison positions to different boards, committees, commissions, and there's council committees. Can you maybe describe for people some of the ones you're involved in? Sure. Um, I have a quick list here, so I'm going to run Good. through that and then, and then uh, dwell a little bit on a couple of those. So uh, I serve as a liaison to the Animal Control Committee, the Environmental Commission, the Library Board of Trustees, Local Emergency Planning, the Senior Resource Center, the Sewer Committee, Transit Trust Fund, and then internal committees, communications, governance, infrastructure and operations, personnel, traffic safety, and I'm a member of the uh, team that negotiates with the university. Um, I just want to also address a couple of things I've done in the past. I chaired the Administrator Search Committee, which uh, at the time I was told was the most important thing that I would do while uh, on council, and I think we got a really good result, and uh, I'm really proud of that work. Um, I also restarted after uh, many years, uh, hiatus, the Flood and Storm Committee, which was near and dear to my heart, but then because of my employment, which we'll get to later, I know uh, our town council advised that uh, it might be a conflict of interest if I led that committee. So uh, I stepped down. Uh, in the past, I've also served on public safety, uh, shade tree health, uh, public transit, the Sustainable Landscaping Initiative, and of course, the Cannabis Task Force, which we'll also get to later. But um, I'll dwell on just a couple of things. As uh, an environmentalist, I'm really you know, excited to be the liaison to the Environmental Commission, which I think um, has you know, just many, many important implications as we deal with climate change and, and other issues. And then, uh, Mayor, as you know, I'm, I'm really delighted as a longtime supporter of the library to be the they liaison to the library board of trustees that was near and dear to my heart. So um, I appreciate you helping me make that happen. <laughs> yeah. So on that one, just for our listeners, that that liaison position is usually the mayor's position or the mayor's designee. And um, you know, since Eve does have such an interest in that, you know, you always want to work with people. And when somebody's very interested in something, it kind of just makes sense to say, "Well, sure, go ahead," and you know. But anyway, so happy to. I thought, to, uh, I thought it was my tears that convinced you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. So, um, so I mean, I think to everybody listening, you can just get an idea of like how many different things all the council people are involved in. Just listening to that list of of all the different PCCs and council committees that you're involved in. 
But um, hey, so Eve, just a little bit, you know, to help our pe- everybody listen and get an idea more about you. Where, where are you? Where are you born? Where are you from? Uh, I grew up in New York City. That's the dog announcing the mailman. Uh, I grew up in New York City and, uh, you know, lived there my entire childhood on the Upper West Side of Manhattan. And, uh, you know, really, and then lived there briefly again after college, but otherwise uh, really haven't been back. But it's a a place I love, and I I have to say, I'm so sorry about the dog, you know, really uh, shaped my worldview uh, growing up there, especially in the 1970s and 80s. So. Yeah. So, I um, mean, obviously you live in Princeton because you're on the Princeton Council. But so how long have you been in Princeton? So I moved here in 1985 to attend graduate school. And um, pretty much since then, we've been in Princeton. There were a couple of years when after I was no longer eligible for graduate student housing, we moved out. We lived a couple of years in West Windsor at Canal Point and then in Ewing and then moved back in uh 1997 and bought this house which is right near the riverside school where we've lived ever since great um so here's here's a question i know people always like to ask elected officials so what what made you decide to run for council the first time you ran so this is a little bit of an embarrassing answer um so it's something that was kind of in the back of my mind And honestly, what happened is, you know, a couple of people indicated they weren't running again. And someone called me up and said, you should run. And what I understand is that this is a thing that women do. Like men get up in the morning and they look in the mirror and they say, oh, I could be on council. And women like (laughs) wait for someone to tell them that they can do this. So it's very embarrassing, but but it's true. And um, my first reaction was complete terror because so many new and different things that I would need to learn. And I gave myself a talking to, and I said, there are many good reasons not to do it, but you can't say no because you're scared. Like, I won't let you do that. (laughs) Um, And then after, uh, you know, some thinking about it and what it would involve and and talking with my family, who were very supportive and excited, I decided I would, you know, throw my hat in the ring, I think is the expression. That's Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know what? I, th- I think, you know, it's, it's great that you've had your, that stern talking to yourself to, uh, to tell you to, to, to step up. Because, I mean, I think, as you said, th- there's a lot. Of, anybody that joins an elected body has to learn. But, I mean, we're, we're all pretty much in the same boat, right? I mean, all of, everybody that got elected at some point had to start somewhere. So, you know, people out there, hey, if you're ever thinking of running for office, go ahead and do it. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, it's a steep learning curve, but, um, you know, you can do it. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, listening to that long list of committees and boards, committees, commissions, liaison positions, the council meetings, Eve, how many hours a week do you think you average doing council business? So I would say it's typically 40 to 60 
and um, that varies somewhat depending on what is going on. Um, the committee work and the council work is actually kind of the least of it, like attending those meetings really adds up to a few hours a week, but they're all the meetings involved in making those meetings happen and then doing your due diligence. I mean, just reading a 350-page council packet, which is not an unusual length, might take me most of a day to do, including follow-up, calling staff members to find out, you know, what I don't understand about, about something or, you know, uh, uh, concerns about about various issues, so it's a it's a time consuming business for sure. Yeah, no, it is, and and I, I I doubt that most people realize how much time it is because most members of the public, I assume, say, okay, you have a council meeting twice a month, and even though our council meetings sometimes run, <clears throat> excuse me, run long, you know, most people are going to think, well, okay, so there's you know four or five hours every other week, so what's the big deal? But it's as you said, it's everything that goes into actually knowing what's going to happen at that meeting and understanding everything that's in front of you is really where the time goes. Yeah, I guess a, a good analogy might be academia, where you know a professor might teach four hours a week or something like that, have three classes, maybe a little bit more than that, three classes, let's say they meet three times a week, so maybe you have eight to ten contact hours. But every hour requires writing the lecture, preparing the lecture, updating the lecture. So, you know, it, it's, the, it's the iceberg. What you see is just the very tip, yeah. and then all the work is what, what lies below. So, yeah, 90%, I think. Yeah. No, that's, that's a good analogy. Um, you know, Eve, one recent issue that generated significant um, public interest was the cannabis discussion, uh, and that was recently put on hold at a council meeting. Would you comment on that process and, and where we ended up? Sure. Cannabis. That does sound vaguely familiar. <laughs> uh, so that, that's been a really difficult process, probably the most difficult that I've encountered since I've been in my vast council experience of three and a half years. Um, one thing I guess that um, I really regret is one of the reasons I wanted to form the task force was to get out ahead of the issue. And the initial focus of the task force was really not at all on cannabis retail. Um, one of the key things to me was and remains education because as it's not that cannabis use wasn't widespread illegally, but there are definitely a lot of people that will use it now that it's legal that would not have used it. And I was particularly concerned about our older residents who may have, you know, inhaled or not back in the 70s or whatever, 60s, um, and are now encountering a, a substance that is very different from what they experienced. And so really the education element was one of the key impetuses for forming the task force, but then because of the uh, state law that we fought for many months, uh, which mandated that if you wanted to uh, opt in to any one of the cannabis uh, licenses, you had to act by August. And so we kind of pivoted uh, to focus on that because of this impending state deadline. And then after a few months, it turned out um, that that deadline wasn't, wasn't really what we thought it was. I mean, I went to uh, 
one of the uh, ways that we as council members, and I know you know this, uh, get information is through an organization called the League of Municipalities. And I had attended a webinar in which the League of Municipalities had two attorneys and they had a vehement disagreement about whether or not this August 21st deadline was a firm deadline or not. And I felt that based on that, you know, we couldn't uh, assume that we could uh, you know, opt out and then opt in, in less than uh, in less than five years. So, because of that state deadline, the task force kind of uh, you know, as I said, pivoted to focus on the issue of licenses rather than the issue of um, of education. And given how everything went, and it is putting the cart before the horse. And given how everything went down, you know, I do uh, really regret that. Um, on the other hand, I do really believe that we know what we need to know to move forward. New Jersey is not the first state. I think there are 14 other states that have legalized. I understand that many people say, oh, let's wait a couple of years. We're going to learn something. I think we know what we need to know. And again, you know, personally, I was ready to move forward. And I think the majority of the town would have supported that. But there were definitely a lot of people who were uncomfortable and ultimately the cost in terms of uh, time and energy and my own personal mental health, uh, frankly, just made me, you know, realize that we needed to, you know, step away from this, at least, you know, for the foreseeable future. So, you know, I have a lot of regrets about how things happened, um, although, you know, I'm okay with the with the outcome. Yeah, and, and you know, one thing I, I think that we, we've all acknowledged is the uh, number of people that took part in the public meetings. I mean, it was really pretty astonishing that at the first work session we had on cannabis, we had 345 people on a Zoom call, which is an incredibly large number. So, you know, at yeah. least the process works, right? People get involved. What's really exciting to me is uh, a number of those people have written to me. I've gotten a number of really gracious letters acknowledging that they understood that this was, you know, a difficult process for me, uh, you know, personally, um, and that they uh, intended, they had never been involved before, but they intended to stay involved. So that in my mind is, you know, just this enormous silver lining that people who had previously just kind of you know, gone along and not paid attention to what was going on at the municipal level are now paying attention. And we need that. You know, the more input we get from a wider variety of people, I believe the better, you know, decisions we make. And I'm not looking for everyone to agree with me. I don't even agree with me sometimes. So, um, you know, uh, so yeah, I think there are a lot of, you know, that level of involvement. And also, you know, again, that level of involvement probably only possible because of Zoom, like in prior years, when we met in person, which I vaguely remember. Um, I think we had, you know, possibly 250, 275 people, you know, spilling out of the council room into uh, the hallway. But, you know, definitely this is a number that was enabled by both the passion that the issue evoked and also the technology. So that's yeah. one thing to think about moving forward as we, you know, contemplate getting back to in person. A whole nother podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, looking at at how much time you spend and the compensation that any of the elected officials get in Princeton is really, I mean, is is you know, you're you're definitely not you're not 
making a career or a living. You're not making a living out of what we, what you get paid. Um, but so what what, dri- what drives you to say, okay, I'm going to spend, I'm basically going to put in a full-time job worth of hours for the money I might get paid working a summer, maybe one month at the boardwalk at Atlantic City yeah. or someplace like that. So how do you, you know, so... What's is, the there, is there a job listing that that I can apply to there? That's it. That's <laughs> I mean, really. I mean, I think all of us do it for the same reason. It's going to sound a little bit hokey, but I mean, I love this community. I've spent my adult life here. I've raised my kids here. Um, I just care deeply about its well-being, um, and I also really like people. I like interacting with people. I like talking with them and being a conduit for having people express their concerns and issues and being able to move that forward and either, you know, figure out which staff member is going to help them or maybe it's something larger that's really a public policy issue. Um, It's really rewarding. I mean, despite the frustrations and and the hours, it's uh, an immensely rewarding uh, opportunity. And I, I feel really, you know, grateful to have been able to do it by virtue of, you know, my financial situation, the stability in my life, and, you know, the, the voters, got to thank the voters. Um, but, yeah, it's really um, an opportunity to give back to a community that I feel has really given me so much. Yeah. And, and, and I think that at the municipal level of government, Eve, is that for most people, the municipal elected officials are so accessible, right? So... If, if you want to interact with government as a citizen or as a resident, the, the best way to do it is at the local level. So I totally agree. It's very rewarding. Uh, and, and I think that's probably where most people, uh, you know, look to say, if I'm going to interact with government, that's probably the most meaningful and easy way to do it. Um, yeah, it's much more, much more personal than, you know, trying to connect with your state or county or, or federal uh, representatives. Yeah. So um, I, I often tell people that I, in addition to being mayor, I have a real job. So let me ask you, I think you have a real job also. So could you tell us a little bit about that? I do. I've worked uh, since uh, I think 2015. So almost seven years, 2016, actually six years at the Watershed Institute, which is an environmental organization in Pennington. And uh, my background is not in science. I'm a historian by training. Um, I actually studied Middle Eastern history. Um, So I don't have a technical job there. I'm the volunteer coordinator, which is, you know, not that dissimilar in some ways from being on council where you're trying to channel people's energy into uh, doing good things and, uh, you know, helping, uh, you know, a community, in this case, the watershed that people love and, uh, you know, are really devoted to. So um, it's a great organization. It's beautiful. A little pitch. If you haven't been there, please go. (laughs) It's a beautiful building and, you know, a thousand acres and lots of trails and it's really, I've worked, you know, done white collar stuff all my life and, and my job 
two is really, you know, I'm mostly be behind a, a computer doing this work. But as I'm at my computer, some of my colleagues come through with their hip waders and butterfly nuts, butterfly nets. And I just, I have to love that. It's so different from anything I've ever done. So I really, I love being out there. And it's a nice counterpart to, uh, to the council work. I don't know if you feel the same way, but sometimes it helps keep me sane to be able to switch gears and do something else and then come back. So yeah, no, I totally, totally agree. And uh, we did have Jim on here at one point um, a while back. So, uh, so let me, you know, your involvement in politics prior to being on council, you know, whether in Princeton earlier or back when you were in the city or wherever, did you have other experiences jumping into politics or? So my first kind of, uh, I guess toe in the water was uh, when I was a, a student in, in Ithaca and got involved a little bit in local politics there. There was a contentious mayoral race, a Cornell student, graduate student was running for mayor. Um, but then when I moved to Princeton, even as a graduate student, um, I also became involved, you know, started by doing what's called poll watching, where you're you sit at the poll and you check off people's names as they come in. And at the end of the night, you hand those names over to somebody and they call the people who are registered there who have not shown up to make sure that they remember to vote. Um, so I did that for many years and then got involved in the local Democratic Club, the Princeton Community Democratic Organization, and then ran for the municipal committee and those seats are, are up again this year. In fact, my son sits on the municipal committee. So on Tuesday, I'll have the pleasure of voting for him. Um, and, uh, you know, so it was that involvement really in those two organizations that kind of, you know, taught me about what was going on in, in Princeton and where I learned about the issues that were, you know, of concern, obviously, not just to myself, but but other other folks in town. Yeah. A lot of door, a lot of knocking on doors, <laughs> which I mostly enjoy, except when it's too hot. And it's a great opportunity to to talk to people and hear what's going on in their lives. And and sometimes the answers are surprising. The issues that people are thinking about. So it, it's a good grounding, I think. It it is. It's surprising. You know, you say, "Oh my gosh, who really wants to go door to door?" But once you start, I mean, you kind of get a knack for it. So you you figure out a way to approach people where they kind of sense, okay, if I really don't want to talk to this person, this person approaching me will walk away. You kind of get a sense, I can I can approach you safely and say, hey, you know, I'm willing to talk to you about this if you want to. If you don't, I'll walk away. And a lot of people will engage you. And as you said, it's amazing some of the topics that, that you'll get into. Um, mm -hmm. So, I mean, at the end of a day of going door to door, you know, your, your feet are tired, but you're like, well, wow, that, that was actually, that was a good time. Yeah, and it's always exciting. Like sometimes people say, "Wow, no one else has ever knocked on my door before," um, and and that is really an exciting opportunity to let people know, you know. And this was long before I council was a gleam in my eye. Just let them know what's going on, what the important issues are, why their participation matters. Which I, I truly believe that you know, voting and being being involved in the political process matters. You know, especially on a local level, as you said before, Mark that you know, uh, people's involvement really makes a, a difference. Um, you know, a few hundred people can make a difference locally. They may not be able to federally, but they can make a difference locally. And involvement is really important in shaping the community we want to live in. 
Yeah, yeah. People being involved is 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 is, is critical. Um, so, Eve, have you? I know you. You know, we, we talked about your role at the institute, but um, the Watershed Institute. But so, have there been you know other um, jobs that you've done over the years that anything to After, talk to uh, us about or? Yeah, I mean, I think the most uh, the most relevant or, or longest tenured uh, certainly was after I left uh, graduate school. I was what's called ABD, all but dissertation. Um, I was supposed to go to Syria to do research on uh, state formation in the early 20th century. Kind of got cold feet about going. Uh, and so took time off from school and never went back. But anyway, soon after that, I started working at Educational Testing Service and worked there for about 10 years and then continued the same kind of work as a consultant. And um, that was really interesting work. I used to, when I was on the the taking of the test side of the number two pencil, I thought very badly about those people, but they are not trying to trick you. They may do it accidentally, because when I wrote my first test question, the person said, well, it's kind of confusing. And I said, yes, exactly. <laughs> but apparently that's not the point. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, I, I certainly, I think I've, I'll say, uh, being a little immodest, I consider myself a, a really good writer and reader and editor, but that definitely honed my, my skills there. And being able to say exactly what you want to say in a succinct fashion is really, you know, a a skill that that helped with a lot so yeah. and it, was, it was a great place to work in a, a beautiful setting so there you go um so what, what are the high some what are some of the high priority issues coming up in princeton in your opinion that you might want to mention yeah so i'll just uh talk about a couple i mean i think really one of the overwhelmingly critical issues is uh, climate change and being prepared for climate change. And that is, you know, on the municipal level, building resiliency. You know, we're doing work now on our uh, sewer pump stations, um, which is really critical because if there's a flood and they stop working, then you get raw sewage going, you know, into our water supply, into our groundwater. So um, it really is uh, important. And there are many other reasons why that level of uh, sustainability is important. You know, we have flooding issues in town, as everyone knows, you know, Quaker Road, River Road that just flood repeatedly. We can't prevent that, but we need to harden our infrastructure so that the damage that is done is is pretty minimal. So that that's something that um, even though I'm not on the uh, flood uh, commission, I really am concerned about uh, climate resiliency and um, you know, moving towards a more energy efficient future, both in terms of adopting electrical vehicles, but also making sure that our buildings are, you know, energy efficient and, and smartly done. Um, I think housing affordability is a really uh, key issue. You know, we've talked in the past about what has been called the missing middle, um, which is sort of the the uh, gap between um, affordable housing and the average price of a home in Princeton, which I think now is, I think, about uh, 850000 or so. It's around eight eighty or so, but yeah, yeah. it's in the 800s. Okay. Yeah, so that is not, uh, you know, a price that's reachable for, you know, 
most people. And obviously, we, we have a moral and legal obligation uh, to uh, create affordable housing. I'm 100% behind that. But I also want this community to be open to, you know, young people who want to move to town and raise a family here, but who are not necessarily working on Wall Street or for, you know, pharmaceutical company pulling in hundreds of thousands of dollars a year. So that's something that, um, you know, I think is really important. And that will be, I I think a big focus in our master plan, which we're just starting to, uh, you know, do the community outreach for the, the updating of the master plan. Um, the other thing that's really important to me personally is uh, open space preservation and making sure that we connect and use our open space uh, in a, a way that is smart, making sure people have, have access to it, but making sure development that does uh, occur is done in what's called smart growth. Uh, so smart growth means that you build housing uh, in areas where people have access to transit, walking, biking. So we don't want to build like big housing units up on the ridge, which is not environmentally smart, but is also not you know environmentally smart in terms of transit. Um, so that's something that's really important to me. Yeah. So let me let me ask you one final question, Eve. What what do you enjoy the most about being a councilwoman? I, I'm going to say two two things. One is interacting with with people. I really do like people, and I really enjoy hearing about what concerns them and what motivates them. And then kind of the flip side of that is not always, but sometimes being able to respond to the concerns that are brought up, or at least to have people know at the end of the day that their concerns have been given bandwidth, that they've been seriously considered, that they've been, uh, you know, weighed along with all other comment, and that the response is thoughtful, not knee-jerk, or not uh, in any way, you know, determined by, you know, politics or, um, you know, any other factor, that it just the continuing commitment is what is best for the community, you know, I think as each of us on, on council and mayor see it. Um, and uh, yeah, so that I think is, is the most rewarding thing. There you go. Eve, thank you so much for joining us today for the podcast. We really appreciate your time. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for joining us for the 20th episode of the Princeton Podcast, produced as a community service by HG Media, providing audio, video, and website design services here in Princeton since 1999. If you enjoyed this episode of the Princeton Podcast, please share it with your friends and be sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts.